Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on. We talk about basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happens. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The pants, the thing we were talking about, and the stitching looks kind of, they just look kind of cheap. Like, maybe that'll change, um, but they just, I don't know, the logo placement, it just looks weird. At least the world's got the big letters, remember? Kings of Spring Training. I still want to know if any other team gets to, like, make an argument or plea for that now. Or is it just this whole season of 2024? One team's going to have big letters. One team is going to have big letters, and it's the Royals, and literally everyone else is going to be playing with the small ones. Yeah, I kind of I mean, hope it's that. It's weird. But like some other teams, maybe after hearing backlash from players, will try to change. The Royals are just kind of ahead of the curve on, on that and got out in front of the problem before everybody else knew. They, they already knew what was about to happen before uh, maybe some of these other Correct. teams, which I guess is a credit uh, to them, but yeah, of course, fanatics. Your CEO is is correct. Of course, you're getting the bleep kicked out of you about this thing. I mean, it's it's embarrassing for a professional league to have these kind of issues with the uniform. Something else that I won't call it embarrassing, but certainly is frustrating is what looks like is going to happen with college football sooner than we thought. I mean, we we all know the direction the college football has been heading with these two power conferences. I know it's the Power Five. It's really the Power Two. Uh, long term, and that's the Big Ten and the SEC. And we know next year the college football playoff is going to 12 teams, but there was already a lot of momentum to go to 14 two years later. And that's where we're kind of talking about today the future of college football playoff, a 14 team model where basically instead of what we discussed a week ago, where the Big Ten in the SEC would get uh, four spots. Yes. This would be three automatic qualifiers per, but the Big Ten and SEC want automatic double buys for their conference winners. So they're like, so, okay, you're not going to give us as many spots guaranteed, even though we can still end up with like five spots. Uh, but we want to make sure our schools and our conference has the buys. The, this sucks, but they can do it because this is the problem. We've allowed conference realignment to allow two conferences because of the money and the money they get is way more than everybody else from TV rights. We've allowed them and the TV networks are to blame for this as, as much as anybody We've allowed them to have this much power and control where they can put this pressure on all the other leagues and they're going to get what they want. And that's what sucks. It is completely unfair to give just two conferences the double buy every single time. I think part of the reason they're doing this is to put value on their conference title games and no one else's, right? Like from a conference title game perspective, theirs would matter. The Big 12s would kind of matter, but not nearly as much as the SEC and the Big 10. I 
I still think this is – I can't believe that these conferences – and I understand that it's about money and I understand all this. Is there not a single person inside of anybody in college football, especially in the SEC or the Big Ten, that wants to make sure that this lasts as long as it should – and not ruin the sport with this because that's where I feel like it's heading. And also, screw the Big Ten specifically for this because they're like, well, we're just as big of a badass as the SEC. You got to listen to us together. How many titles in the last 20 years does the Big Ten have? Try to juice the stats for themselves because they never, and I do mean never win it. The last Big Ten champion was in 2014, a decade ago. The last one before that was none in the last 20 years. They got a singular. The ACC and the Pac-12 and Big 12 have just as many, if not more, during that time. The ACC obviously has more because they got Florida State and Clemson a couple of times. Like, you're letting us control it? You guys can't win anything. So now you got to rig the system in your favor? That's what I – specifically with the Big Ten. The SEC – I mean, I don't care if they get a double buy or not. They'll probably win a lot of championships no matter what, probably. if we're being honest. So, so that's the weird thing. So one, what you said about like you can't believe anybody has not stepped in and said, well, again, the, the toothpaste has been out of that tube a long time ago. Like there's no going back, unfortunately, to what it was in 2010 and before that. I mean, it's just... We th- this this was the potential path. Everything was headed oh, down Michigan, the minute. I forgot about that. The, 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 <laughs> I, I, was, I was going the, to mention the, that. The, 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 the minute um, <laughs> you know, the Big Ten just won a championship. Um, the uh, overall, I get the point. Yeah. Um, the realignment steps that have taken place over the last decade plus have set up where we're at now in, in collegiate athletics. And why are these two particular conferences able to dictate basically the future of college football? Because we all know, like, these dollar amounts, this particular season alone, 2024, the Big Ten media rights, average payout per school, $73 million. Yep. SEC, 57. It'll be 74 next year, but it's weird. This year, it's 57. The Big 12, compared to 73 in the Big Ten, the Big 12, $43 million. The Pac-12, we know it's going away, but $36 million. The ACC, $37 million. They have the worst deal of the bunch. That's why Florida State's yeah. trying to leave the conference. But that 40, a four, between the ACC and the Big Ten, a $40-plus million gap that each school gets, that's why, unfortunately, they're able to dictate more because we've allowed it to get to this point uh, where clearly money is all that the commissioners and the athletic directors and these presidents of these universities uh, care about. And, and they decided a long time ago that the product, the rivalries, all that stuff didn't matter because they wanted the money. So I understand how the money in the sport works and why these decisions are being made. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't fight against it. I'm not going to just lay over and die for every single thing. That's just like, fighting, well, yeah. it, it is it is a, it is the way that it is, because. Look, college football has never been an equal sport, just like Major League Baseball isn't an equal sport, and I understand that. So, you know, Ohio State will get to have, or Alabama, right, they'll get to have nicer facilities, a higher-paid coach, better recruits. They already have every mass advantage. So then on top of this, you have to juke the actual big advantage in games in your favor? We shouldn't be, that'd be like saying, well, the ALE spends more money, so every year they don't have to play in the wild card round. The second you start messing with games, that's where I have a problem. When you are giving yourself a decided advantage, not monetarily like you already have, you got more money to spend because of the TV rights deal, you get better recruits and everything that we said. But to actually screw with the games part of it, it it'd be the same, like, what's the difference between that and Georgia being like, well, hey, look, a strength of schedule doesn't matter for us anymore. We get to schedule Lindenwood 13 straight times and you still got to put us in. That sucks. That's just not a fair. That is the most unequal thing any sport does in this country. 
at all. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm never going to hear me disagree that it doesn't suck. Uh, I mean, th- this is, again, where we are going to continue to go down the path of eventually being Big Ten and SEC only and whatever they're going to call it. And it'll be a different name in 10 years. It'll be these two and that'll be their own championship. And then whatever the leftovers are, will have their own new version of whatever that postseason looks like. That's unfortunately where we're headed. And this is this is where it's at. So you're right. You don't have to sit down and, and agree with it. I don't agree with it either. But this, like there's no going back. Like there's like there's nothing. All of a sudden, I don't, you're not going to be able to be like, you know what? The Big Ten's going to wake up tomorrow. and be like, you know what? We actually liked how it was in 2005. Like there, it, there is no going back. We, the, we, we did. We, there was a chance to stop it many, many years ago. If, if at that point in time, one of these conference commissioners or school chancellors did it, then yeah, we, pro- we are way past the point of let's make it fair. We're so far past well, that, and it sucks. So the thing that is, I think eventually we're going to get back to where it was, and the reason for that is because if you picture Ooh. it, I guess as a volcano right now, it, it's smoking a lot. It's going to blow up. Everybody's going to leave and disperse, and they're going to realize that it wasn't that. That it's not. That we're going to get back to the point. I think where we have a collection of groups that understands and knows what's going on, and there's no mm. corruption going on. But it, but it might. I would not love involve... to be as optimistic as you. I I, I would love for that well, to happen. Well, I just it, I think that's. But it's going to take what you're saying for the SEC and the Big Ten to leave. Because that is going to, it's going to happen. But then it won't be the same as it was, though, because it, you're right. Like, there there will still be some other grouping of, con- like, nobody's saying that the schools that are not going to be, are just never going to play football again. Of course not. There will be some form, I don't know what it looks like. But if we know that what is, the, the dollar amount is going to be even more drastic, and that, let's say the Big Ten has 28 teams, and the SEC has 28 teams, and we call it the whatever division, the whatever conference or whatever sure. conference. And we know that those are perceived as where all the good players go, right? Which is already kind of happening, but still, sure. it's where all the good players are going. Worse. Even oh, worse. Yeah. The NIL money is, I mean, it's just completely even crazier than it already is. We're going to watch that championship game because that's going to be the better product. And then, yeah, why well, still watch whatever, if KU is not part of that conference as an alum, why well, still watch whatever the, the other, sure. But I will know that winning that is not the same. It'd be like winning a triple A championship. I don't get as excited about the Royals triple A team winning a championship as I would the Royals winning it in 2015. I disagree with that because there's, there's going to be all these teams up there who are labeled as better, but they play each other so much. And since there's so much disparity they're trying to become the NFL, but they're not the. It's not the NFL. You're going to have a championship. Let's say it's Ohio State, and let's say it's Alabama. That game might be 31 to nine, and that super like like the Super Bowl that that year, and it might be consistently a 20 point game where both both teams are really good, but the game is not good. The, I think so that, that the I mean, product is most the product years that's happening. Most years, the SEC is. It I mean, now I'm glad they're expanding to 12. But like when it's been four, this this past year is not the best example of it. But no, like, not this one. But but, but most of, of the ones. times, that is true. Like what you're saying, and you're right. We do complain about like that's kind of what what the 14 playoff has I, been for the I, most I, part. I know, but you can't say it's a better product when the games suck. No, but people people are watching. Man, the ratings show people are watching the SEC more than any of these other leagues. But because this is where the only it's that's all that's put on TV. If you look well, at the but amount, what do you think? You think that the, the other networks are going to suddenly be like, we don't want the. We, you think ABC is going to say we'd rather have the what is viewed as the crappier uh, class of college football? Well, nope. well, that's what I'm saying is that because of what the networks have done and the conferences have done to make more money, everybody's investing money into those. Uh, the the networks are investing money into those conferences, so you miss out on the good. The past three years, 
the two best conferences have not been the Big Ten or the SEC from a top-to-bottom perspective. It's been the Big 12 and the Pac-12. And nobody's watched those games because they're not on TV. The product is is just as good, but they're not on TV to see it. So as a result, they're only watching the Big Ten and the SEC. That's why they're getting why, why, so much more why money. Why would that change, though, Drew? Under the like, how How is that going to change, though? I, but they have to leave in order for it to change. Here's the but problem. But their games are the, still going to be tele. I mean, we're, we're, how's it changing? It's the no, same thing. No one's making it. But here's here's the problem. What you're describing to me eventually has a bubble that bursts. Yeah, it's you going cannot, to totally explode yeah, on itself. It's you, not going to last. You cannot do what you're describing. Only put 50 teams in a conference that matter and then have anyone relatively care about anything else. So you're going to have to make... All your hay on these 50. To me, this is the equivalency of, like, when people quit watching baseball because of the strike. If they go to two conferences and it's 50 teams, I'll tell you right now, I'm out. I'm out. Like, I'm not going to keep watching a product that eliminates 75% of the entire sport. I'm not going to just watch. Look, if you go to Ohio State or if you're an Ohio State fan, if you're a Michigan fan, you'll hold on to those fans. But you're eliminating the possibility of getting new fans the same way as in when everyone has an opportunity, every team has a chance to at least participate in the system. They're trying to eliminate half of the system. It's just a bad, like, I think it's a dangerous road they're walking. They're doing it for the gains now. I'm not surprised to find out they're doing it for the money now. But they shouldn't be surprised if 15 years from now, they have popularity problems because part of this with the whole, all the college sports, the thing that doesn't make a sense about like just going for the money is, is that if I want to just watch football, good football, I'll watch the, I'll watch sure. the NFL. Problem solved. I watch collegiate athletes, not because it's a better version of football. It's a worse version. It's a decidedly worse version. Less athleticism, less good quarterbacks, less competitive You watch games. it for the pomp and circumstance. Hell and there's also yeah. pomp and circumstance. And you watch it because it's fun to look at a college player and be like, wow, what would he look like in the NFL next year? Right? Like there's some of that. Like we, some of the intrigue of watching Michael Penix play for Washington this last year is like, man, I wonder what he would be like in the NFL in a year from now. At least that's how I, how when I, yeah, when I watch that, a little bit. Like I think that might be a lower benefit for me, but yes, it's definitely in there. That's the same problem with college basketball. You do the same thing. And look, college football might just do its own thing. And college basketball might be less touched as a result of that because it just it the money's different and everything kind of flows different. That that's my big thought on why I think the Big Ten and SEC are doing what they're doing is they're they're trying to be the good guy in this situation, kind of like the way that I said the the Chiefs ownership is doing everybody in Jackson County is we're trying to look like the we're trying to give yeah. you something. The Big Ten and the SEC, we're we're giving the group of five an automatic qualifier. We're gonna give the Big Twelve and the ACC also two automatic qualifiers, but but we need this. It's enough to say we're trying to help you, but not get it approved where the Big Ten and SEC can then say, okay, we're leaving. But I, again, I, I think Cody explained it a lot better. It's a bubble that is going to get so big, it's going to explode on itself, and it's eventually going to have to reset. Yeah, I mean, I... There, there, it's if you're thinking it's going to be what it was in 2010 again, that's never happening again. Oh, like no, in no. collegiate sports, no, no, like we're the, not, they're the not going to move. Missouri's reset. not coming back to play Kansas no. in the same conference once the, the bubble burst. It'll college football still what it is today is still in large part what it's going to be in the future. Like we're not the good old days of college football and when it was rivalries and all, that is long gone. I mean, they're still having the rivalries now. Oh, uh, not to the same extent, man. Come on now, like no, not close. to the same extent. Like I mean, yeah, not, but uh, it doesn't but, mean I, nearly as much. I mean, yes, yeah, some of the the, the right, like Ohio State, Michigan, when they're playing each other in the same conference, that exists. But 
Heck, even use the KUMU example. I know they're starting to play each other in sports again. It's not the same rivalry at and all. That might just be a Big 12 thing no. because Clemson and South Carolina have always played each other and will continue to play each other. And they're in mm. two, two. I think it's. Just I don't think big, they'll continue to play I, each I think, other when if there's separation of the conferences. Nope. If the Big Ten and SEC leave, then yes. But but I but I think that as long as they're still collectively a part of the FBS, they're always going to play each other. That might just be a Big 12 problem because, I mean. Michigan, like Notre Dame has still played you. They've always played USC. They're still playing them. And I know they're an independent, but they're, they're all, they've always played them. Like some of those are still there. All right. We can get back to this a little later. Uh, you know, it's a mess because college football is run by um, idiots in my opinion. But like, we, look, we can't solve the world's problem today. I understand. But like, God, they are just like, they're heading in a weird, weird, weird direction. Meanwhile, there is some technology changes coming to college football, which we can get to in just a minute. More importantly, coming to the NFL, the better league anyway. Screw college football. Let's talk with the NFL for a minute. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but there's reporting out there that suggests the NFL might finally be moving away from chain gangs. No more guy with a folded up piece of paper in his back pocket trying to decide if your team got there According to Jonathan Jones, the NFL tested optical tracking online to gain rulings at MetLife Hard Rock and at the Super Bowl this year. There, If there's support for minimal team owners, you can see chain games become a backup option as early as 2024, so this season. Yeah, now he went on to say, though, considering they got to outfit all the stadiums and international yeah, stadiums, they said it may not be feasible for this year, but it's well, coming. Took so long, it's man. finally coming. Yeah, maybe 2025, but it's a no-brainer. I mean, this is stuff we've been saying for 20 years. Like, where the technology is at in today's day and age, why are we still using chain gangs? Uh, it's just crazy to think about. Yeah, whether it's the note card incident or otherwise, I mean, we're going to look back. I think we already kind of do, but 20 years from now, when they finally go to these optical tracking, we're like, yeah, at one point in time, you're going to be telling like your kids even more, Cody, like, yeah, they're, and they're going to tell their kids, you know, that, uh, yeah, there was for first downs, we used to use chains to actually man. They're like, what do you mean? Actual chain? They had people go out to mid. Yes. I uh, sure did. Yes. That was, that's what we did. We'll go, Pretty, how do they decide where to stand? Eh, they seem to just eyeball it. It was yeah. mostly just a guess I also if we're think, being honest. I also think they should, they already have chips inside the football for like tracking other things. I still think to solve a lot of the reviews at the goal line, can we not figure out technology, have a chip in the football that once it crosses the goal line, it, Lights up red. Well, I didn't have to do that. It just it just it it alerts (laughs) the ref. Like it vibrates on the ref's pack. You know, whatever like that he's got over there. Like you know, he's got the little the 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 pack that he gets buzzed from upstairs for challenges or whatever. That the same little uh, pack that he has on his rear end or whatever. That that during these games, that that is something that gets notified. It seems like a fairly like look. You got to start with some technology and get more. The NFL is weirdly behind technology wise, considering they're the biggest North American sports league. You know. Like, tennis has eagle eye, and golf has all Mm -hmm. these tracking capabilities, and Major League Baseball has started to incorporate technology more and more and more, and will continue to do so. And the NFL this entire time was like, nope, still got two guys with a couple of sticks. (laughs) They're going to take care of it. And the chain breaks sometimes, too, and that causes problems, and it slows down the game. Honest to God, it's like, why is there still, like, how have they not made the guy holding the thing that, like, physically switches it over from a three to a four? What are we doing here? We can't just... That can't just be digital. What point are we making? I understand the one part of it that's always like kind of hard to be like the jobs. Like, look, here's the truth: chain gang guy is going to get paid the same right now and still have his job for now at least for years while they try to make sure that this system never really fails. Chain guys are going to be ba- there as backup, just figurehead pieces that will be there. But this is the obvious decision where 
this is where I had a problem with replay is that I don't feel like replay gets the call right enough to even justify its existence. That's why I'm like, screw replay, just get rid of it. But for this optical tracking of where the ball goes, all I want them to do is for the most part, get it right. These little, like the chiefs had two bad spots in the super, like multiple bad spots in the AFC title game in the super bowl that were like, God, I don't, I don't think that's right, man. Are we, should we, should we redo that? Or should we take a look at it? And he didn't challenge it and he could have, and there's a system in place to do it, but just getting it right. seems easier. Doesn't it? Rather than just guessing whether or not somebody had it close. Yeah, someone, I, someone says the digital down markers. We're not talking about those. Those yeah. happen. In, not, like, that should also be in the NFL. Yes, obviously. We're, that, that's easy. That we're talking about, like, the actual, you don't need chains anymore. Like, where they just would have, it would, you know, there would, and TV would adjust to this, too. You know, Drew, you brought up something earlier off air. Like, the, the drama, you, you kind of sometimes oh, like waiting. So yeah. I'm sure on television they could do some graphic that has, like, almost like a chart that's getting filled up or something, you know, and it's like, oh, is it going to something? I think they should do it the, like the, the yodeler. anticipation of how yeah. short you are or how, how, how much you got a first down They by. should just do it like the yodeler on prices, right? And if he falls <laughs> off the cliff, you get the first down. But if he comes up short, sorry, you're short. Yodel, yodeler said so. Someone says the chains are what the players look at for the first down line. What will they look at now? No, the they, chains they, will still be there. The, well, the, <laughs> they well, won't be measuring it for real. The chains can still be there, but also they'll still have the mark. Like, eventually they'll even have some advanced part of it. But, like, yeah, they'll still have the marker of where you have to get to. Yes. Eventually it'll be, uh, you know, Johnny Five. and It'll just be a robot yeah. on the side lined up in this. We're not always utilizing give you the visual it, cue. They're yeah. not going to take it away. Yeah, we're not utilizing it to measure first downs anymore. That's that's the hope, and that sounds like that's what's going to happen here in the next year or two in the NFL. But yeah, of course, the, if you're Mahomes, you still need to see the, 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 the first down marker to know exactly where you guys need to get. Someone said they need to figure out how to get that yellow line for the first down line live <laughs> on the field. I mean, that's pretty much just a laser level, right? I have one of those. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have a laser level. Is that all we're talking about? Like two laser levels that point to the point of the football for the center that go for either side. Uh-huh. Someone you says, know if you're breaking the line, Tony's not off sides in that case. Someone said they'll use what they use in soccer when there's a free kick and they got a mark for the guys not to go across a certain point. It'll just go away. So before every play, they're going to have to spray a new fresh, whatever that stuff is called. I don't line. even know what that is. No, they're not. That stuff that. that just evaporates and goes away. Yeah, that's way too much work. They're not going to do that, are <laughs> of they? Of course not. I wouldn't think so. How, also, how would it know when the player was down? It's the same way like that they do. They track a tennis ball going 165 miles an hour in the way that it bends up against the ground. Well, yeah, I just assume also, they got the technology talking, to not, track it. This is how they know when the player. You're talking, I think that's for you're saying the, the goal line thing, not the yeah. first down. The first down thing, the same way they know a player's down now. They would mark. They would still the ref would still have to yeah. mark the ball, spot the ball. Then we just wouldn't have to bring out chains. They also I mean, the truth is, is that they have like. They have all this technology. They microchip players. They know everything about their movement on the field. I assume they figure out a way to tell if they're down, don't you? This is like the least of my concerns. Well, I just don't think that part changes. You still have to have the ref know if where and mark the ball. Like that's not yeah. that part isn't altering at all. No, it's just where the markers go. Yeah, there's not there's not something where his knee pad explodes when his knee hits the t- hits the <laughs> turf or something, you know. Well, like a die pack. <laughs> yeah, like, that's not going to happen. Just get weirder and weirder. Trash of the day. All right, let's go to uh, this one. It involves a mom who uh, was in a tree throwing competition. You're like, okay, that's kind of cool. What's, uh, what's what's up with that? Sounds kind of badass. Well, sounds like something Danny Welbeck used to yeah, do. No that's kidding. Cool. No kidding. Yeah. Whole guest. Well, a, a woman in Ireland lost money because of this competition. In fact, she How lost so? eight hundred thousand dollars because she had an injury lawsuit stemming from a car crash. And then photos popped up showing her recently launching a Christmas tree 
during a holiday competition. She won the event. Problem is, she sued an insurance agency back then in 2017 uh, during the, the car crash. And, of course, claimed that she was suffering injuries and was limiting her ability uh, you know, to, to work and to do other Living things. Living in constant pain, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, makes sense. That happens. Um, problem is, when you're throwing trees, suddenly not going to really buy that you have some physical limitations. $800,000 disability The case. competition involves people throwing roughly five-foot spruce trees as far as they're able to. She denied that she faked her injuries while in court, saying she was trying to live a normal life. Uh, we don't have any resolution on this. Reached out to her attorneys, according to Fox News, and did not immediately receive a reply. But yeah, she's now not getting the $800,000 in the injury lawsuit. I'll be honest, it's not a great look. I'm not saying you couldn't have been hurt during that time, especially when you went to court and got the $800,000 settlement. But if you have an $800,000 injury settlement somewhere in your back pocket, maybe don't enter a tree-throwing competition? That's not living a normal life. Gold, at any point, have you gotten anywhere close to entering a tree-throwing competition? That's not a normal Never. life thing. I didn't know where you go to just throw trees. I, I, I know there's axe throwing. I didn't know you could just go someplace to start throwing trees. But yeah, she a year after... The accident is when the photo surfaced. So you're like, why is it coming up now? Well, the the lawsuit has been settled now, and they ruled that basically she's not winning the case because of this. Do you think we should have a Cody and Gold Christmas tree throwing competition? With mini trees. With mini, mini we just trees? Got mini trees. Like the Charlie what, Brown you, size what, one? You think you're, th- you think you're I mean, throwing? I mean, I can throw a five-foot tree. You think you're just on a regular I don't basis? Know how, I don't think I'm going to win the contest. I'm just saying I can physically throw it. I used to every year, and I'm not kidding. I lived in Waldo. Our house was uh, like two blocks away two blocks east of like a hardware or two blocks west of a hardware store. And so what I would do is I would buy the Christmas tree from the hardware store and I would walk it back to my house rather than put it in my car. I would just throw it over my shoulder and I would physically carry my Christmas tree every year back to the house. So I don't know if I could throw one very far, but I could I'm gonna chuck it a little bit. Someone says for eight hundred thousand dollars, I just disappear from society. You definitely wouldn't catch me on a photo. By the way, which insurance guy caught that? Just immediately start searching them. Like, huh? Sure, don't have well, any they didn't want to pay. They didn't, here. they didn't want to pay out eight hundred thousand dollars. So they they found. I mean, they they hit the lottery themselves. That insurance company. Oh, you won't believe this. This woman that's suing us. Yeah, she's she doesn't have a disability. She's out here throwing trees. I mean, did she win anything for the tree company? Not eight hundred thousand. That would be. Do you think eight hundred dollars, maybe? Do you think we can get an eight hundred dollar prize pool for the Cody? She Gold might. Christmas she might have won eight hundred bucks for that. The good news for her is uh, clearly she's physically in good shape. Then I mean that's the Feeling positive. Better after like the, the whole point crash, of the yeah. lawsuit was because she was going to be impacted by the. The great news is she's recovered from the car accident. It sounds like that's actually great news for her. You know, I don't doubt that she was really injured at the time or should have gone. It was a year before. later she was throwing the the trees. That's tough. Wait till the lawsuit's settled, then start throwing trees. That's the lesson here, right? Wait till you get every cent and then start checking them. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess let's uh, let's put a say let's uh, let's look at that. You know, we could always use some new activities for this show. Tree throwing contest is you know that's unique. I don't know you can't get that in any other station in this city, at least not that I'm aware. of. <laughs> Just the same tree, by the way, gets easier. Like the later you are in the contest, because it loses. A I few don't needles. think I don't think you throw it and then keep picking up the same tree. Do you? How many different? Everyone gets their own tree. That well, they feels, probably have five or that six. Feels don't real you? Good. Because you're right. Wouldn't the tree branch break or something? Eh, I mean, maybe here or there. It's just hey, get a good number, get a low number, better chance to throw it further. You still gotta chuck an entire tree, dude. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you're gonna lose that much. Huh? 
Okay. Every year, I just have to cut up my tree with like a chainsaw so I can get rid of it. I still get a real one, you know, holding on strong here for a little okay. while longer. Right. Drew, how about you? You get a real tree? Uh, no. Uh, my parents did up until I think a year or two ago. We always had, growing up, we always had a real tree. When I moved away, I said, forget that. Okay. It's too much work afterwards. Plus, plus the sap, if it gets on the ground, it's it can be a mess. I don't get like it. Maybe I don't get the sappiest trees. I don't feel like I'm getting sap on the ground. How fresh is the tree? I mean, they cut it down. Cody, you go, you go, you go, you go, you Paul Bunyan, you're cutting, <laughs> down, you're, you're cutting down your own tree. Uh, you go into the, the Missouri National Forest or whatever, and you're you're uh, cutting I, down trees. Uh, I only cut down trees when I'm at the cabin, you know? That's it for my cutting down of trees. Okay. All right, coming up next, though, we'll get to the Chiefs Fred Half Hour. One thing that they don't need to overspend on, and we get back into how we see the two situations with the two biggest names this offseason playing out in Kansas City. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Chiefs Kingdom. This is Mitch Holtis and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody and Gold. Every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Reminder coming up at 1 o'clock today, a little Club 610 Friday on Cody and Gold. Scott Reese, sports director over at KCTV5, going to join us his first appearance ever on the show. Looking forward to that. Get to know Scott a little bit. Talk college football with him. We'll get back into that college football discussion about what the Big Ten and the SEC are asking for and basically demanding, I should say, at this point with the college football playoff and turning it into more of a Big Ten SEC invitational than we already kind of know it has been anyway. Yep, pretty much. And, yeah, it already has been high in that category, but yeah, I hate it. I uh, I know we just did Trash of the Day. I we, we did, yeah. What did you see? <sighs> Reading this headline and then now okay. consuming the subsequent article. <laughs> all right. Elizabeth Hurley, we're all familiar with her work. Yes. Um, she's apparently very close with her son. She was a okay. single mother, okay. only child, yeah. got a close relationship. I guess, based on this article, there had been some criticisms of in the past of, like, some of the photos she had posted of herself, like, on Instagram, where she, like, looks incredible in a bikini or something. Good for her. Then her, it turns out, the photographer behind those photos was her son. Oh. <laughs> and it's gone a step further, and it needs some discussion. He just made his directorial debut. Wow, what an accomplishment. His mom is in the movie. Okay, nice enough. Your mom's willing yeah. to have us. He directed her in a lesbian sex scene 
And I just, what? <laughs> you, 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 do, um, you were the director of a sex scene with your, with your mom? Yeah. And you've already been taking these photos? Like, dude, come on, this is creepy. You can be close with your parents. Yeah. No one is saying you can't be close with your parents. This is too far. You can't. Go, there is no way in which you can justify no, no. directing your parent in a sex scene. That's no good. I'm reading the quotes. That's no good. He noted that his mom, quote, dropped everything to participate in the film. And she raced out to the Caribbean to help once the project was greenlit. In the scene, the two women are shown kissing before Natasha starts to kiss down Lily's neck. Body throws her neck back in enjoyment. This is what he directed? Dude, why? So many other people could have been in this scene that aren't your mom. You could have directed it just the same. You guys can be close. How many people when they watch the film though are gonna, how many people when they watch the film though are actually gonna be thinking or you know what I mean about that part though? Probably not if they're watching a lesbian <laughs> sex scene. Um, so, but dude, uh, he knows it's his mom. He, yeah, for him it's a problem. I'm saying for the viewer, by the way, the, the movie I guess is called Strictly Confidential. It comes out in theaters April 5th. Cody will be first in line. I'm not gonna be first in line. There's some weird That's, stuff it, going it's very, on. There. It is very, very weird, yes, that he asked his mother to, in a film he's directing, be part of the sex scene. Yes, that is And also, weird. just like, could somebody else just direct that? Like, let's say you're in the movie and there's a sex scene. Just let what? Let the assistant director handle that one scene. Okay, it's got a sex scene. It's my director. It's nice that my mom is participating in it. <laughs> just like, Gold, if you're my assistant director, still weird that you're directing my mom's sex scene, but at least it's not me. You know? <laughs> at least it's not me. Someone says this is a uh, smart decision. That's money for the movie now. The what? The mo- the mother's son directed? Just the fact that Elizabeth Hurley was in a sex scene is what you said. Yeah, like, but that's that was a not smart the point decision. that's important here. Now for him, it was. Oh, God. Like, some of the photos they post in the article be like, he took these photos, and people thought, that's kind of weird. And she's yeah. like, no, he's just got a great eye for photography. I'm like, that's fine. And with literally any other person he took a photo of, I wouldn't question this. But when it's your your mom, I feel like it's weird. Yes, that's where it gets weird. Everything, every other part of this, totally normal. The mom part, <laughs> that's the problem. Uh, sorry, I got very distracted. I didn't even know that. this movie was coming out. I didn't. I do now. I guess that's what I'm saying. That's, see, that's what I'm saying for his sake. Cody Gold Field Trip. His for, we field all go trip. See the movie together on like a Saturday. I've got us plus one more. I, you know, I get the two free tickets, so I can get I can get your ticket or Drew's ticket. Um, but everyone else is going to have to pay for one. Yeah, please. Go ahead and invite Drew. What's the movie about? Did it say in that article? What was it called? Strictly Confidential. <laughs> already forgot. Sounds like something would have been on title. C- Sounds like something would have been on Cinemax a, at midnight. Oh, wow. Now, now you're really, now we're really going down to Cinemax. Um, Strictly Confidential says a haunted young woman finds herself drawn into a world of seduction. Duplicity and betrayal as she desperately tries to uncover the mystery surrounding her best friend's suicide. Hmm. Hmm. Initially, it was supposed to come out May 16th, but I think they bumped it up. Top cast, Elizabeth Hurley, Lauren McQueen. I don't recognize any other name. Okay. Director, Damian Hurley. Writer, Damian Hurley. Man, I just... That's a lot, man. That's all. Sorry. I know this is Chiefs Right Half Hour. You know, it's been a while since we got distracted, not just in the show, but specifically during the Chiefs Right Half Hour. How about us? A little throwback. A little throwback for us, immediately thrown off by something else. Someone says, Skinamax after midnight back in the day <laughs> was lit. Oh. 
Someone said Alicia Silverstone chose to feed food and feeds it to her son like a bird. Is that true? Does does Alicia? By the way, Silverstone... that's that's worse. She baby Cody, birds. That's worse. That's worse. That's, that's cra- worse. That's worse. Yeah, that's worse. At least the movie you could argue it's to make money. You could at least argue it's to make money. On a regular day, feeding your son like he's a bird is way weirder. Hold on, I'm watching. Way a, weirder. I'm watching a video. She's baby birding food to a kid. How old is this? This is from oh, 11 years ago. Oh, um, this is that old. Why is yeah. it okay? Right. Uh, but it. I mean, I'll be honest though. Yeah, I mean, in this video, she's chewing up food and then just like spits That's it in this gross. kid's mouth. That's disgusting. That's horrible. So okay, so you're saying right now on on record, yeah, that you would rather. Film and direct your mom in a sex Ugh, scene. Don't, don't phrase it like that. <laughs> no, don't phrase that, it. I'm talking about in this. Then, I'm, don't then phrase it like that. Chew up food and put it into your kid's mouth. No, you. No, no, no. You're saying how, that she she was doing this at a, at what age though? I don't know. Her kid was like a little kid, like four or five. Yeah. No, I, I still think overall in this case he's doing it to make money. It's an interesting way to start up the Chiefs at half hour. In, a, in an argument, she's doing more. She's doing it for the well-being of her child, in her mind. Mm. They both suck. How about that? <laughs> okay. I want zero. I want zero of those options. Meanwhile, this is the Chiefs at half hour. You sure? Um, look, I, technically, there's still 18 minutes left in this segment. So, well, maybe 13 before we gotta, break. It's, it's, we'll have to hear from Chiefs Hollick's attorney at some point again, yeah, too. Yeah, we can get to that in just a second. I was thinking more, like, I, I know we're going to talk more about uh, Sneed and Jones here in just a second. But as it relates to these players and why it's going to be easy to let these veteran players go, the massive reason why you should trust the Chiefs in this scenario is that could they give you more proof of their ability to develop young players specifically behind it. Like I think about Brian cook, Nick Jones, Shamari Connor. Like I've just like, they have been turning out play after player that by about year three, look at Mike Dana year three, year four Turk warden. Sure. Maybe they only get two years of borderline starter quality snaps or one year of borderline starter quality snaps. But by the time these guys are actually called to service, they're good. They keep making everyone a serviceable NFL called player the by the time. <laughs> called, the sur- <laughs> called the service like they're doing some grand no. thing. Like they, you know time. what I mean? By I- eventually the time that they're required <laughs> to be counted on by this team, yeah. they've proven to the point that they can do it. Like, I mean, like I look at where they are now in the players. Like, this is why I think that like Caliendo or Nick Jones or when Allegretti stepped up eventually or Jack Cochran. Like some of these players that you don't think of is mattering much for this team right now. I trust that in a year and a half, if the Chiefs are relying on them to play, they'll be good because this is five years in a row that Andy Reid and his staff and Spags and his staff eventually get these players ready. Yeah, I think specifically on the defensive side of the ball, I, I would argue. I mean, I think they have shown on the defensive end that they can have a couple young players step up and develop. And you, you laid it out there well. After one Thornhill, then they trusted that Brian Cook could step in. And then I think we're going to see potentially, yeah. potentially if Snead gets traded, all right, it's it's Jalen Watson, even though Jalen Watson his rookie year had a nice season. But all right, next man up kind of mentality. I think there's some limitation with that. I, I think it's more on defense. I mean, at some point, this is not a shot at any, but you mentioned like Cochran. I don't I don't think Cochran's ever going to be a guy that's getting starter snaps for 16 games. I don't think that's who he is. There's, no, they're also but can, still, he play, can he play in 16 games and may, actually, Maybe you know, so. 
you know, there, there's definitely some other um, young pieces on the team. If we were to predict right now, like a young player that next year is going to have a, have a big impact that didn't play as much this year. Obviously, Chamari Connor is going to be a very popular answer to that particular question. Felix, Andy DK, Uzama. I mean, the guy was a first round pick. It's, it's time to find out what he can do uh, this, this next season. So there, there's definitely some of those. I mean, I, you and I have talked. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're not glad, but I'm surprised, I guess about not overspending on veterans and stuff. That's that's part of what I mean by when we're talking about all in and the balance of yeah. they're they're in their mind always all in, but they have taken a much smarter approach. Like so much of the discussion of well they need to they need to do something differently this offseason than what they've done. No they don't. Like when we've talked about are they all in or not, the same all in approach whatever that means uh, that they've been in for the last five years. That's what I want them to do. It's worked out pretty damn well. Like suddenly you've won back to back championships and we're saying, oh, well, for the third one, you got to do things way differently and be way more aggressive. No, you don't. Why would I want them to do something differently after winning two straight championships? It's That's kind of how trying I, to sell out for right, the third. But it, but they yeah. have, I mean, it has worked. Why would I want them to change? Whatever mindset they have and how they've approached off seasons, and you know, we, we view it as, oh, they're, they're more aggressive. Whatever that is in their office, their meetings, it's worked. I don't want them changing their philosophy entirely. doesn't mean that you don't attack different positions and how you acquire said player position. Maybe one year you do feel like it has to be via a trade. Another year you think the draft's the best option. Or that you take of course, one big swing like typical. But I don't think you, you shift your mentality in the offseason just because you're going through a th- going for a three-peat. You're asking what's working to, to shift. The teams that need to adjust and completely 180 where they're at, that's Carolina. That, that's teams that have struggled. And I'm not saying like do it, you know, like change everything about yourself in order to do it. When I was talking about the all in approach, I just meant, Hey, attack every position. Like you have to have it this year, a little bit on this end, but I, I get less and less worried about it. Just knowing the development end of it, because the ones I'm talking about are not the ones that develop into really great players because you you didn't like, yeah, sure. You developed Trent McDuffie. You took a great player in the first round. He was great from day one. You took George Karloff as the first round. He's great from day one. You're talking about later the round guys, picks and things. Yeah. Like, well, Jerry Sneed, I mean, heck, he wasn't he wasn't his first or second round pick. And he wasn't a first year starter. You know, like Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson, they weren't day one starters either. They had to do some stuff their rookie year. They were counted on their rookie year. But by let's say we're going into year three of those players. I trust the Chiefs ability to get these players ready enough. That I should, like, if those guys had to be my starters this year, if it was Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson, and Joshua Williams, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good with that just because of what they've shown in the past. Otherwise, like, if I were a different team, I would feel differently. Say, hey, you sure you don't want one more veteran corner, one more veteran safety, something to make sure you've got the talent behind? But they keep seemingly rolling up the next man up mentality. I know sometimes in offense it doesn't look as pretty because, like, this year they kind of had to do that where they're just, like, dragging guys up from the depths and eventually, like, using Rasheed Rice more and more and more and more. And they didn't have to change much, you know, on the offensive line in. But they made the offense work. That's the only area. Why do you see remember the only area where I'm like, they're not really developing anyone there. You are either good right away or you're not, seemingly. Like, Sky Moore hasn't gotten any Look, better. You, Tony you, didn't get any better. But Rasheed Rice was just good. If you misevaluate on potential development, of play, it, that can happen at any position. It just so sure. happened it happened with Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, and then you had a regression from MVS all at the same position, which created a massive problem for the wide receiver room until later in the year when they just said, all right, we're just going to really key in on the three pieces that work the best for us. And we all know the rest is history with what they were able to do. But like that, that can still happen at corner. They just have a really good track record right now that 
they've been able to have this nice pipeline of of young players in developing. And that's a credit to not only scouting, but yeah. Spags, Dave Merritt, et cetera. This is why I think they might end up spinning at wide receiver. I think you're I think the Chiefs free agency spending plan most years. Like this year again, I feel a little bit different about the all in thing, but just generally speaking, for how they should work, is do what you do, handle your business, let the players go, assume you can draft and develop. And then when you know it's not working, when like you've drafted a bunch of receivers in a row and you're like, oh, well, no one's taken over the reins from the guys who left, then spend the money. That's why you spend money at wide receiver this year. You took all the wide receivers, you tried to like let the Sammy Watkins and let the Juju Smith Schuster and the veteran guys go, and you're like, no big deal. Sky Moore and Tony are going to step up. When you learn they're not going to, that's when you have to spend. For the couple of times you make the mistakes, and again, you are allowed to make mistakes as a general manager, that's where you know the money should go. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll, we'll get to what's trending and also how this offseason now is going to go for Sno- for Jones and Snead. Based off of some reporting, there seems to be a more optimism on the Chris Jones side than the Snead side. So we'll go around and, and figure out where everybody's at on that particular uh, situation. Situationally, uh, with uh, Chief Sahalik, we know where things stand. Uh, he obviously has been uh, or will be sentenced, yep. but is facing up to 50 years in jail for the armed robberies that he pled guilty to the other day. Uh, And now his attorney has continued to provide us entertainment for a very long time based off of what he has said on the courthouse steps. And we've decided over the last day or so to uh, spice it up a little bit more and and add more dramatic effect, I think, to uh, each one. And you guys have requested some of these. So uh, we wanted to play. Which one do you want to do? We want to do McLaughlin around Chief Sahalik's lawyer. Sure. Let's hear that one next. Okay. This was Chief Sahalik's attorney on the steps of the federal courthouse. From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing, and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today, Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chief Zaholic, we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. (laughs) And that's because he's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chiefs' kingdom, he loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. The music just playing at the end here for uh-huh. a minute. Mm-hmm. Soak it in. Soak it in, you know? Look, I, That's Matthew Merriman, the attorney of Chiefsaholic. I think that I, I will never tire of this bit. I'm just going to be honest. It seems like <laughs> I, I may never be tired of this bit in general. But I do think that it's important for the listeners and for us to appreciate it, to understand that not just can Matthew Merriman's be in like chariots of fire and it's mm, like, that's the best one. I think yeah. so far, mm-hmm. or like it's the end of a saga with Sarah McLaughlin, but that honest to God, I'm not sure that there's a style of music that does not mm-hmm. work with this. From the beginning of this case, folks, <laughs> the government has been blitzing. <laughs> and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today, Xavier stepped into the pressure. 
he took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chief Zaholic, we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. And that's because he's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chiefs' kingdom, he loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. I mean, if right at the end of that it just said, you gotta lose yourself in the moment, I would just like, uh, it would be a trailer to the entire documentary. Uh. I mean, I, there is no limit. It keeps sending in requests, by the oh, way. Yeah. 9135. We'll work all March long. Please. Yeah. We're One gonna... shining moment will be our mm-hmm. cap at the end of all I think of so. This. We're planning on doing this for a while. I we, we have time for one more to squeeze in. Uh maybe we save it for Scott. Okay. We, we'll we wait, want to we'll, save this yeah. for our guests. Okay. We'll, well wait till the, the club six ten, one o'clock hour, uh for for some more um mixed downs of the Chiefs Holic lawyer. Yeah. Someone says the fourteen different ways he says Xavier. Xavier. <laughs> He doesn't say it the same throughout I the same I think he clip. sounds like the mayor of Cincinnati when we when we played that a year or so ago when the mayor was sounding <laughs> like an idiot over in Cincy about uh That the was Chiefs. worse than this. M- the Eminem one was strong there. Eminem one was strong. I still think my favorite's Cherry and Fire. That one's so good. Like, you don't even have to play the whole thing. Just that beginning part. Uh-huh. From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing. <laughs> it just it doesn't. It just sounds. The second the dun 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 dun, 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 dun mm-hmm. hits, God, you just know it's the moment. Yeah. Again, suggestions nine one three five eight six seven six ten or hit us up on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter on the live streams. We're probably gonna keep making a couple of these a Why day. Why not? Why not? Up next, we'll get to what's trending and then into how we actually see this thing playing out between uh, Sneed and the Chiefs and Chris Jones and the Chiefs over the next week or so. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.